Hey, good morning, everybody. This is Will Richardson in San Francisco. Welcome to the Richardson Financial Podcast. Today, I'm really excited to be with Darren Shrosbury in Toronto. Darren is the founder and CEO of 33.7, and we're going to have a great conversation this morning about all sorts of things related to, to what they're up to with their, with their business. Welcome, Darren. Oh, thank you, Will. Uh, it's great to, be, uh, great to be on here. Yeah, can you give us a little bit of background about your company and what you guys are particularly focused on here in 2017? Sure. Uh, 33.7 is a, uh, essentially a multifamily office. Uh, we specialize in propelling and preserving wealth for the affluent. We don't manage money, we create it. Um, we have a very specific ethos on how we tackle uh, wealth creation, um, and that's how we triplicate our existing assets and incoming assets into three buckets. So first is assured assets, second would be market assets, and third would be property assets. So essentially 33% of your net worth goes into one of these three buckets, um, and then we uh, use specific products, processes, and structures to get uh, a doubling effect every 10 years. So we, rule, we use the rule of 72, um, which essentially says if you make a net return of 7.2% per year for 10 years, you will double your asset base. So that's essentially what we do. Uh, the name 33.7 comes from that. 33% uh, of your net worth into three buckets. And then obviously the 7.2, which we shortened down to seven because 7.2 was too long for the URL. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's so. Tell us a little bit about each of those uh, each of those buckets. So you're saying, you know, that for the client comes in with X amount of dollars, and you're going to split it in those three buckets. So let's let's start with the assured assets. What does that uh, What does that look like? Sure, assured assets are essentially um, insurance based solutions. Uh, what we do is we use predominantly participating whole life as an asset class. Uh, in Canada, we have a very favorable tax dispensation for participating whole life. The proceeds of life insurance in Canada, both living or dead, uh, are 100% tax-free. Um, obviously, in the States, it's a little different. I think you guys are taxed pretty heavily on, on debt proceeds and all that kind of stuff. But in Canada, thankfully, um, we don't have that tax treatment. So what we do is we put, let's say, a million bucks to assured assets or $100,000 a year for 10 years. Um, that creates a very tax-efficient structure that uh, we can then use later on in life uh, through using a policy loan, we can draw out the cash value of the policy and essentially pay no tax. So that's very efficient. Um, business owners, doctors and dentists absolutely love that strategy and we use it a great deal in the high net and ultra high net worth market. So that's assured assets. So let's say a third of your assets goes into not just spending whole life. We can just keep it simple and use that product. So obviously, just to round out that section, what we need to do is we need to identify the correct structure put the right product in. So we go through a process where we identify how much of the product we need and which whole co-operating company or professional corporation we need to put the product into. So there we go. That's 33% of the overall strategy and that's a assured asset. The next would be market assets. So we don't really do anything in mutual funds, stocks, bonds. Um, the traditional markets we sort of steer clear of. Um, we're much more focused on esoteric and alternatives. So we do a lot of work in the private equity space. Um, some VC stuff, but a lot of tech private equity. So we invest in platforms that are game changers and or you know, industry leaders in their particular field. Uh, to mention a couple. 
segment, uh, in the market segment, we traditionally steer clear of traditional investments, so stocks, bonds, and uh, sort of mutual funds and that kind of stuff. We don't really go down that road too much. Um, we handpick companies that are not listed, so private equity predominantly. Uh, we've invested in companies like Future Vault, Giftogram, um, and the most recent two companies, both uh, very, very interesting sort of game changes in their field. And uh, that's where we sort of deploy our market-related capital. Um, because they are, technically they are securities, you get to the IPO, they would then become a traditional security. But until then, we like the esoteric space very, very much. We do use some options, some covered calls every now and then to boost yield. Um, but predominantly, we're playing the PE space. Um, we also use the market segment as a synthetic property bucket. So let's say, for example, you don't want to own bricks and mortar. We have a myriad of products. One is Stone Ridge, one is Paramount. These are second mortgage pools that are Canada-wide incredibly well underwritten and administered um, and we get a phenomenally good return on these buckets um, sort of anywhere between the 10 to 13 percent rate um, and we use that as a market security because they are Americans might not know if we have things called TFSAs and RSPs they're kind of similar to your 401ks, IRAs, LIRAs, that kind of stuff um, and they're eligible for that so we use a synthetic property bucket uh, as a market security. So it sounds complicated, not really complicated. It's just you invest a whole bunch of money into second mortgages that are well diversified across Canada. So that's the market bucket. So your second 33% of your net worth is going to that. And then lastly, um, physical property. So bricks and mortar, we're very, very well versed in how to get people a solid return when they actually buy physical assets. So we do a lot of pre-built condos in Toronto, which is the, probably the best real estate market in North America at the moment. Um, we have insanely good relationships with all the builders, so we get prefer preferential pricing and access to buildings that no one else can get. So we get some good discounts there. That helps to build uh, a nice property portfolio and increases the cap rate. When most people are getting three, four cap rates, we can get six, seven quite quickly. Um, we also have relationships with builders out east in Halifax, um, which is a phenomenally beautiful city you visit. And uh, we have uh, some incredible houses out there that we buy to add to our popular portfolio. So once again, um, we have pretty much unrivaled or unparalleled access into the building space in Toronto and Canada. We use that pricing power to buy physical assets and rent them out to AAA tenants with long leases. Overall, I guess it's up to about an 8 cap or 8% return, uh, which is perfect for the 7.2 we need to stay true to the algorithm. So there we go. So we combine the whole thing. We uh, put 33% into gross and motor, 33% into market, and 33% into assured assets. We then take all of that information and we put it into, as I mentioned before, a back office system called Future Vault, which then aggregates up your net worth so you can see your entire net worth in one place, like a dashboard. That's pretty cool, too. So there we go. So that's sort of the 60,000-foot view of how we create wealth in Toronto. Well, it's interesting. I know when uh, Dan Sullivan connected us to be sure we had this, this conversation, you know, his perspective is that you guys were definitely doing things that were different and interesting, that, you know, that game-changing 
mindset that you mentioned in terms of where you're investing money. So what I, I'm curious about, you know, from the client standpoint, um, it sounds like it's really, really simple for them. So you're saying you, you take the money, you put it in all this stuff, and then you've even created a way for them to be able to see it in one place to reduce some of the complexity they might otherwise have in their financial lives? Correct, yes. Yeah. So everyone's, you know, incredibly busy, especially high net, ultra high net worth people. The only thing they can't recreate is time. So essentially we give them a lot of time. Um, we're not a one-stop shop, but we do take a vast amount of work and effort off the table. Um, once we sit down and get to know you, you sort of get that comfortable feeling of, ah, oh, someone's actually looking at the whole picture, the holistic picture, and putting it together. But let me just camera back for a second. So the reason I, am, I started 33.7 was for myself. Um, no other reason, but because no one else could do it, or no one else wanted to, or they were just too lazy or bored to try. But no one in Canada could actually answer the questions I needed. I needed tax, I needed tax relief, so I needed a strategy to reduce tax, Reduce risk and to do some intergenerational wealth transfer planning. So I went around and no one could answer the question. Everyone's trying to sell me something and promise me a yield, which essentially is complete bullshit. So, and also, no one could garner any control. So, everyone's like, oh, put your money here and it might go up. And then Jesus came into the room and we prayed to Jesus that the market goes up. There's no control, there's no clarity, it's just a mess. So, that was the standard stuff that I found when I got here. So, I decided to build something where I, myself, as a primary investor, had clarity and control. So everything we buy and everything we do is in the client's name, or in this case, it was in my name, all these holding companies, operating companies, trust, et cetera, et cetera. So a very, very sophisticated way of giving the client clarity and control, and thereby simplifying his wealth creation strategy greatly. Right, so if anyone ever says, hey, give me your money and I'll pr promise you a percent, I'd run screaming from the room and probably just light myself on fire because that outcome would be more beneficial to the other outcome. Um, so that's sort of the ethos of 33.7 was just creating it because here it doesn't exist. I'm sure in the States, they're all over the place because the States is 12 times larger than Canada and super awesome. Canada is great, but not as sophisticated. So I had a build. So I built it for myself, it worked incredibly well, it worked well for myself, and then all my friends looked at me and said, e, e, how, how, why are you doing so well? How, how come you get everything? Like we just sort of fumbling around and crap. So I said, well, this is what I'm doing, how I do it. And they were like, well, can we get some of that? So I said, sure. So I then just threw up a little label, showed everyone my algorithm, which I gave away for free, and uh, said, try this. And everyone who's tried it has loved it. And then they tell their friends and so on and so forth. And now we've built a little ecosystem up in the Great White North that uh, is basically just killing it. Do you find that they that they appreciate knowing that you know what you just shared is that that you created it for you, so you're putting your own money there and doing all these things? Do you, do you find that 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 helps people feel better about the strategies? It's huge because I've got skin in the game, right? So. Every single thing I do, whether it's a house in Halifax, pre-built condos, construction, homes, any deal, future vault, gift grant, I'm in the deal first, right? And I'm 100% in, and I'll show you like how many millions of dollars I put in, all the houses I own, I'll show you deeds of sale, I'm in, right? So and don't forget, I don't take any commission from anything I do. So there's no conflict of interest. I don't manage money, I create it. So there's no law that says I can't tell my friends how to make money. 
It might be some laws that say I shouldn't be able to take a fee, which I don't. So that's the beauty. That's the beauty of it. I have no conflict of interest because I don't get paid to do it. A, B, I'm in it and I've done it and I'm killing it. Everyone wants to replicate what I'm doing. <laughs> so it's a beautiful situation because there's no like, oh, but why is he recommending that he's going to get paid a commission? Well, he's recommending it because Darren's making a ton of money from it. No one else, no one else can, can look at me and go, oh, but you know, blah blah. So there's no conflict of interest. People love that. They're so tired of being bullshitted by so-called professionals, right? They're just exhausted by the bullshit. And I don't need them to become clients. They're actually not even clients. They're just friends that are doing this together. So in the old Japanese way, there's a word called kere, which is a buying group. Essentially, what I've created in Canada is a enormously powerful buying group. So when we go and we buy, let's say, condos from a building, there's 300 units, I can buy 30 of them. So I can buy 10% of a building really quickly from the builder. The builder's highly incentivized to move 10% of his inventory to one guy, me. And I'll take it and I'll just give it to my friends. We're like, okay, I'm gonna take down three, I'll keep three, and who else wants, wants the unit? And then everyone will take them. I make $0.0. But what that does is it gives us pricing power. So then we can get a 4% discount on the face price of a unit. It's quite nice, 20, 30 grand. So everyone wins. So that's been extremely successful um, in Canada. The only place I do make money is if I do sell life insurance, I get a commission from the life insurance company. So that's the one place I do make money. But apart from that, so 33% of the strategy I get paid on, 66% of the strategy I give away 100% free. So two thirds of it's free, and then you've got to pay me a little bit. Well, actually you don't, the insurance company pays me a commission if I do place the assured asset piece, which is predominantly life insurance. So there you go. Well, that's interesting. So you're saying on the um, on the on the real estate part, I mean, you're you, are you you have those capabilities in house, right? It's you and your company versus it, it's. It sounds like you're not referring them to other people. Did I understand it right? You've you've got all that built in, and you get these done, and you get the the deals based on the, the scale that you have. Is that is that right? Yeah, it's all in house. So we have relationships with the builders. So we'll say to the builder, okay, if you put up a tower, uh, we'll take 10% of the inventory. So we work directly with the, with the, uh, the product provider or the wholesaler, whatever you call it. Um, we're supposed to be the middleman and we're supposed to take commissions because that's what the traditional people do, but we don't. So we enhance the deal, we white label it, we make it look really sexy and look really, really beautiful, and then we push it out to our client base and say, hey guys, who wants a condo for the kids? So in our business, it's called relative growth. We're going to call it condos for kids, but there's like too many for kids out there, and it's not a charity, which is not. So we call it relative growth, and that's a strategy where you combine life insurance on children and buying a condo for your children when the, condo, when the kids are like two, three, four, five, six years old or whatever. You buy them a condo, and you buy them some life insurance, you combine it into the strategy for relative growth. So that's, that's a unique product that we haven't seen in Canada for sure. Um, and it's been incredibly successful. So once we've packaged it, we use our ecosystem and our distribution network to then push, push is a bad word, uh, distribute or sell, I guess, the insurance component and the property piece. And people love it because they know that it's 100% transparent and I don't take any points from the property situation. So the stuff flies off the shelf. So let's let's talk about that strategy a little bit that you mentioned because I, I noticed some of that in the materials that you guys have and and that is the idea of helping people buy property for their for their kids. So you're talking about 
right now they they buy the condo with the idea of the um, with the idea of their children um, giving them a foundation. Is that the idea to help their their kids get in their first place? Exactly. So um, you know this concept is not exactly new. In uh, Vancouver, there's a very large Chinese community, um, and they've done this for generations incredibly successfully. So all I did was I gleaned a little bit of knowledge from them, brought it to Toronto, and said, look. The Toronto market is, is very, very expensive now, but people forget that, you know, they think it's expensive now. You should try and see what the market's going to look like in 20 years. So the option is this. So you love your children. So do you, not, do you love your children that much that when they're 25, they're still living in your basement because they can't afford a place to live? <laughs> That's the case. Don't buy a <laughs> Right? Like, I love my boy, but at 25, it's probably time to move on. So you can either buy them a condo today for cheap, or you can have them live in your basement when they when they in their twenties and thirties. So essentially, all you're doing is you keep being the future cash flow of a condo. So you put down uh, 50, 60 grand, you get a free build. Someone lives in it for 20 years, pays off the mortgage. Your kid goes to university, he needs a place to live. Uh, you can live in your own house or your own apartment, rent free. Uh, if you want to live it, if you go away to school, that's okay. You can sell the unit and take the cash. Or you can leverage, re-leverage the unit and take the cash and pay off your school debt, buy a car, go on a vacation, do whatever you want, start a business. It essentially is a head start for children. So, you know, when's the best time to plant an oak tree? Ten years ago. When's the second best time to plant an oak tree? Today. Exactly the same in real estate. Even if there's no cash appreciation, you've still got someone else to pay off the mortgage. So you get a free and clear asset for your children when they're 25, 24, whatever the case may be, if you do it super young for your kid, right? So we use that strategy all the time to incentivize people to give their kids a warm handshake inheritance. So you're still young in your productive capacity, the parents are still doing well, whatever the case may be, and they want to give their kids their inheritance when they're two or three years old. You buy them a condo, and then the kicker is you add a life insurance policy onto that. So instead of you know, waiting until the kid's 50 years old, or 34, or 35, to buy a life insurance policy, you buy a permanent life insurance policy in a two-year-old. So that's ultra-efficient for two reasons. A, it's super cheap, because kids, to insure kids is incredibly cheap. And B, they have a 100-year span ahead of them to compound the growth within the policy. So the easy math is, if you put $5,000 in a year for 20 years, so that's five grand times 20 is 100 G. So if you put 100 Gs in, then you stop paying. That's it. So your full contribution is 100 grand. When your kid, let's say you started this at two. When your kid's 100, in this country, in Canada, he has about an $8 million policy of pure cash, just cash, not, not debt benefits, just cash. So essentially what you've done is, once again, you've given your kid a warm handshake inheritance. It costs almost nothing to do. And then mom and dad, because they bought him an apartment, which would be worth quite a million bucks, and an $8 million life insurance policy, you as a parent can literally spend all your money and bounce the last check, because who gives a shit? Because your kids sort of, right? So there we go. So we use that one-two punch where we can go to parents and say, look, look after your kids at two, and you never have to worry about them again, because they're sorted. So that plays beautifully into people that are looking for a strategy for intergenerational wealth transfer. But in a tech-efficient manner. So it's way more sophisticated and way smarter than anything else I've seen out there. 
And if there is the smile and stuff out there, show me, because I'd love to be educated. So let's say somebody does this and they've, um, you know, they're, they're growing the, the money in the life insurance policy without tax and they've got the real estate. What, it, what do you see people do with that property? So they've got a two-year-old now and the kid's going to move in in 20-something years. Do they rent it out or what do, they, what do they do with it in between? Of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. So 100%, as soon as it's built, you get a rent for them, actually we do it for them. They don't have to do anything. Like the beautiful <laughs> thing about this is this strategy is hands-off. You don't have to do anything. We'll do everything for you. So think of us as your personal wealth concierge, right? You just say, hey, I want this. We'll do it. We'll do it. So we'll find you a renter. We'll do the lease agreements. We'll do everything for you. Why? Because I have 50 doors already. So we've done it already. So we can so, so, so simply get everything sorted with no charge, no cost. So yeah, the condo the condo's built. We find someone. We stick in a renter and they just pay a few mortgage for the next Decade, two decades, whatever the case may be, until your kid needs it, should you need it, sell it, buy it, whatever, blah, blah, blah. So there we go. So yeah, so it's a one-stop shop. Nice and easy. Well, you know, one of the things I'm curious about is you were describing the, the assured asset being the life insurance strategy. So do you, do you find that knowing that that's going to be there and that, that can't go down, that has to go up, does that help your clients feel better about any volatility they might experience on the, the managed asset piece? Absolutely. It's the linchpin of the uh, of the entire strategy. So the assured asset bucket, um, I'm sure you look, saw in the literature, is an incredibly stable bucket. So assured assets vent. In Canada, they vent every year. So the value can't go down. It's not market-related. And uh, if you looked at a comparison across products, um, in the last 25 years, the assured asset bucket has made an 8.1% tax-free return. 8.1% with a standard deviation of 1.1%. The standard deviation, some people call it volatility, other people call it risk. So literally, you're making an 8.1% return with a 1% standard deviation, which everyone knows is incredible math. That's just phenomenal. So it's like watching paint dry. Very boring, very stable, but very lucrative. So that's stack rate ranked against the Canadian sovereign bond, the Canadian tenure, the sovereign bond of Canada, which is the country we live in with the little maple leaf and the white and the blue and the red, blah, 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 not so much blue, more red. Um, their return is 5.6% and their standard deviation is 2.1%. So the sovereign nation of Canada is twice as risky as the insurance product that Sun Life sells. So that's a no-brainer, completely off the charts awesome. So a higher return for less risk than the sovereign nation of Canada. So it is a very, very important strategy for people to harness, to reduce risk, especially in the market bucket as well as the uh, property bucket. It reduces risk, it reduces tax, and it essentially is the anchor that everything is tied to. So a very, very, very important product to solidify the overall wealth management strategy. Now, there's one additional thing which is legal in Canada, but very, very frowned upon in the state. So we call it equity engine. So an equity engine is quite interesting. It's based on whole life. So once again, just staying in the assured asset bucket. Whole life in Canada, like I said before, was 100% tax-free, both living or dead, due to us taking it out of the policy loan and paying no tax. Now, the one reason why doctors, dentists, and business owners don't buy 
large, large policy is because of opportunity cost. So opportunity cost is very expensive. So let's say a high net worth entrepreneur makes a dollar from his corporation. If he takes that dollar and redeploys it into his corporation, he'll make the margin of the corporation. So maybe he's running a 20% business or a 30% business, whatever the case may be. Either way, if he takes a dollar out of his corporation and gives it to an insurance company, he's reducing his productive capacity of his corporation. So it's very expensive. The opportunity cost of dollars is high. If you couple that with paying the premium, it becomes stupid because it's so expensive that you just do a thing called self-insure. I'm sure you've heard this before. They say, oh, I'm not going to buy insurance. I'm just going to self-insure. Self-insurance is all, all dandy and well and good. But what happens if I could show you a way to make the, the opportunity cost of that dollar go to zero? Would that be interesting? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So when I go to my business owners, Dr. Zidane, anyone who has a high opportunity cost of dollars, I say, look, you don't have to use your own money and lose the opportunity cost. What we can do is we go to a bank and we can get the bank to lend you the money. So we can leverage premium. So that's a beautiful situation. So we go to a Charter 5 bank, so RBC, ABC, blah, 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 BMO, Scotia, you name it, they do it. We go to the bank and say, look, bank, we'd like to borrow the premium, which is amazing. Bank says, sure, we'll lend you 100 cents on the dollar, so 100% loan to value, which is interesting because in Canada, they'll only lend you 80% loan to value on your house, which means that the insurance company is saying this product is 20% safer than your house. The reason for that is fairly self-evident. You're going to die, so they're going to get paid back. So they know that. Right? Your house might not go up in value. Remember 2008, Florida, Texas, shit went up pretty quick. Anyway, um, so it's a super safe thing for the banks. So the banks will lend on this all their life. So they lend you the premium. You take the premium and you put it in your holding company. Then you take the money that was designated for the premium payment, which was in the holding company, and you pay the carrier. So essentially what you've done is you've switched out money. The original money that was in the corporation goes to Sun Life, as an example. The new and shiny money from the bank comes into the corporation, a.k.a. your capital flat, right? million bucks goes out, million bucks comes in. In the eyes of the CRA, which is the Canada Revenue Agency, what you've done is you've created a tax deductibility. Because you've used the old money for the policy and the new money to buy plants, equipment, invest in stuff, et cetera, et cetera, the Canada Revenue Agency says, don't worry about the interest expense, it's tax deductible. So essentially, if the bank charges you 3%, at the end of the year, you have a 50% tax deductibility on the interest expense. So therefore, your cost of capital is 1.5%. 1.5%. So you get a monster policy, you get to write up the interest, the bank pays the premium, you get to do exactly what you were going to do with the original money anyway, but in this instance, the cost of your capital is 1.5%. So if you're making a margin business, let's say you make 20% in your business activities, your cost of capital is 1.5%. So you you're making a net 18.5% return using an OPM, other people's money, to do it. So the bank pays the premium, the CRA pays the interest expense, you get to eat the cake, the food, the fork, the knife, the whole thing. You got the whole thing for yourself. So in Canada, that's 100% legal. And people are doing it, sophisticated part, people are doing it all the time now to reduce tax, reduce risk, whilst maintaining a beautiful growth rate within their business. 
And that, up here, up in the great right north, we call that the equity engine. Because as your heart beats, if your heart's ticking, you should be getting paid. The equity is related to the engine, the heart, the engine. So there we go. So that's like another product that we, uh, we talk about quite a lot of things. Well, it's really interesting. And, you know, as I was thinking through some of the materials you sent, I know there was some, um, this concept of um, myth-busting benefits of things like life insurance. So when, when you encounter people, I'm imagining they probably haven't thought of life insurance as, as an asset class. Uh, how do you find they're thinking of it? Uh, or what, what, what uses have they seen for it when you meet them versus how you're helping them think differently? Exactly. So when you say life insurance, people instantly, instantly do two things. They think of cost. When you say life insurance, they think of cost. Oh, it's a cost. Which clearly it's not. It's not a cost. So the, the first reaction is, oh my God, it's a cost. So I don't want it. The second reaction is, people love to douse themselves in gasoline, light themselves on fire, and run screaming from the room. Because they think you're trying to sell them life insurance. So it, it's a terrible, visceral reaction. I'm sure, you know, if you sell it, you've seen it. Yes. Um, you see the eyes shut down. People start trembling. Um, you know, there's a cold sweat in the brow. It's a terrible thing. So we try and get around that by actually not even using the word life insurance. Because essentially the equity engine and the relative growth platform, we can call it goody goo if you want. It doesn't matter. It's immaterial. The life insurance is purely just a wrapper for the money. That's all it is. It's a wrapper. So, you know, if you went to the 7-Eleven, What's your favorite candy? Skittles. Favorite candy? Skittles. I love Skittles. Taste the rainbow. They're fantastic. <laughs> so you got to, you got to, yeah, no. If you went to the 7-Eleven and you saw like a bunch of Skittles just sitting on the counter, would you pick them up and eat them? If, if they were just sitting on the counter, I'd, um, if they're... Yeah, just, just Skittles, just running everywhere. There's just Skittles on the counter at the 7-Eleven. Would you, would you eat them? Probably. <laughs> probably? Most people probably not. They're looking for the package, the packet, right? So the packet, the plastic that wraps the skittles, that's the life insurance. The skittles inside is the money. So most people, unlike you, who likes to eat skittles off the counter, which is interesting, um, would, would buy the packet of skittles, eat the skittles, and toss the packet, right? So that's all the life insurance is. It's a necessary evil, if you want to put it that way. Yes, we love it. Yes, we need it. But when this discussion specifically is not about getting other people rich. When you die, someone else gets paid. Awesome. That's great. So that's cool. That's what the life insurance is designed for. But in this discussion, equity engine and relative growth tackle the problem of tax-free money or the tax-free zone, as you like to call it, while you're alive. So, you know, you've worked your ass off all your life. You want to enjoy your cash in a tax-free or tax-efficient manner. Well, there's relative growth and equity, right? So the life insurance part of the packet is for someone else, which is great. So yeah, you made someone else rich. But if you want to have both, you can. You can definitely have both. By using the equity engine and leverage, or using the relative growth strategy, you can actually use the dollar twice. And we say that plainly. So when people say, oh my God, it's life insurance, nah, 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 and then you go, nah, what you can do is you can use the dollar twice. You can use it once for life insurance, and once for investment. You can have both at the same time with the same dollar. Right? That, that starts getting the conversation away from life insurance being a cost as to life insurance being an assured asset. Not allowed to use the word guaranteed. 
But we all ought to use the word assured. And that's why our first bucket is the assured asset bucket. When you when you think Does that answer your question? Yeah, definitely. I mean it's it's you know, people are people are thinking of it in a way that doesn't give them the true sense of what's possible as as you just have. So I'm picturing the person who comes in thinking of life insurance as a cost and something that they they didn't want, when when you describe it, help them see how it benefits them, then at some point they become more open to the idea, right? Correct. Absolutely. It's all about positioning. It's just how you position it to people in a realistic fashion. Because yeah, if you need life insurance, uh, then buy term. Term's great. Like term serves an awesome purpose. So buy it by term, and if you die, great, someone gets rich. And if you don't die, the insurance company gets rich. No problem. Like if they use it, but yeah, you've got to have a fairly candid conversation with people to change their perception about you know something that's built, built and designed by the richest people in the world. The wealthiest families in America and Canada buy participating whole life by the bushel. Like they buy as much as the insurance companies will give them. Why? Because it's an insanely good vehicle to reduce tax and reduce risk. Right. So uh, the only people that are kind of like freaking out about it and saying, "Oh my God," blah blah, blah are people that just a are ignorant or poor. So my job is actually I don't have a job, but my mission, my my my. What I like to do is I like to educate people on awesome structures that are out there that can change your life. Like they literally can change your life with the stroke of a pen. And if it's good enough for the life of the top 10 wealthiest families in Canada, technically it should be good for the other 33 million Canadians that are bumbling around this wonderful tax jurisdiction. Well, as you, as you think about the managed asset piece, you, you mentioned earlier that, just to pick an example of let's say, an, an index fund of whatever. It could be the S&P 500 here in the United States or it could be a variety of other things. So you're saying that you found that to not be something that is as efficient as what you're looking at on the private equity side. Could you walk us down a little bit of your philosophy around around that? So, you know, I, I think there's a place for ETFs. I, like, I don't mind them. Standard funds are pretty cool. If you just want to park it and leave it, and, and yeah, it, it's pretty good. What it makes like eight percent, traditionally seven eight. It's pretty good. Yeah. Um, the thing is, you just got to handle the volatility. So it's just harking back to the table that I use a lot. The TSX or the S&P 500 is 16 times vol- more volatile than participating whole life, and the rates are the, the return is absolutely the same. So pretty much the identical return, one is a standard deviation of 1%, one is 16%. So I like I like the ETF and, and the market for the long term. But you just better pray to Jesus that the year you need money, it's not 2008. So that's the only situation. Because people have been paying the market, they say they paid 20 years before 2008. They did everything right their entire life. And in 2008, they needed a million bucks to live. Guess what? They got smoked. So... I'm not saying don't do them. I'm just saying do like maximum 33% of your net worth goes into ETFs or, you know, managed funds. There are some portfolio managers out there that are as good as ETFs, very few. Um, so 
maybe a portion of it can go into that. We steer clear of that because, once again, I find the fact that I have to pray to Jesus, the market goes up, very unpalatable. Like, I have no control of it. So I don't particularly like the strategy a lot. That's why I refuse mutual funds. But they just don't work very well. Um, and that's why we push into the private equity space. So our due diligence team goes heavy into the uh, private equity space. We then, you know, because I'm putting my own money in and, and significant amounts of it. Like, I do a shit ton of due diligence, right, on the deal itself. So once that's done and I'm comfortable, then we'll put myself in harm's way, and then I'll tell people what I've done. They want to invest great. They don't, don't care. So in that way, we do augment some large returns. And these private equity plays, yeah, traditionally they make, you know, 20 plus. It's pretty good. Uh, occasionally they do go back up. We had one uh, last year. They went, went to zero. Um, going through the bankruptcy procedures on that one, um, which is interesting. We might actually get the IP from the company, which would be worth a shitload more than the company, which is, which is cool. But, yeah, it's not, you know, I'm not infallible. I have, I have backed a couple of horses that didn't work out so well. Um, but, you know, that is what it is. So anyway, so we do about a 20% return in the market bucket, um, about a 9% return in the uh, property bucket, so the properties that's physical, and then we do about a 7-8% return, uh, maybe a little less, depending if you use leverage, we use double-digit return in the assured assets, and if you don't use leverage, it's about 675-7% on the assured asset bucket. You blend that all, um, throw a little VAR into that, you'll probably get to a blended 9-10% return, and we assure 7.2, so we're ahead of the game a little bit. Well, it, it sounds like it's coming back again to your own philosophy and what you do with your own money. And what I heard you say is, you know, we're definitely looking at only putting a third in that bucket anyway. And so you're finding that as long as you've created some safer money with the insurance and you have the real estate bucket and you've done all the due diligence, you make it easy, even even match up renters with people needing to rent the, the places out for their kids. So, so you're saying, look, you know, you've you've cleared a path, you've done the research for these, these private companies, you're putting your own money there. So, so it, is, it, is it as simple as, hey, we, we've already figured this out, let me make it easy for you, and we think this will be um, as good or potentially better than putting it in, a, in an exchange-traded fund? Yeah, I, absolutely. So we have done the heavy lifting, you know, we've cleared the field and built the house. So the path is, has already been laid. Um, and people are welcome to join us on the road and have fun or not, doesn't really matter. Or you can just be completely passive and just do everything into an ETF. Um, it's, I think that's a terribly, terribly risky strategy. Um, some people do it. Uh, it's like giving all your money to one money manager. I think it's a terrible idea. But, uh, you know, the predominantly 99% of the world does exactly that. Uh, and that's why 99% of the world is poor. Um, but, you know, it's not... You know, I'm not, I'm not here to convert people because I'm just not in the conversion business. I'm in the, I'll show you how to do it, I'll tell you how to do it, and if you want to do it, do it. If not, it doesn't matter because I don't care. Um, so, yeah, that's, a, that's, about, that's about it. The philosophy is I'm in it, I'm in it deep, and uh, if you want to jump in the water, the water's fine. Come and hang out. <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> Well, you know, I'm curious. I know a lot of the work that we're doing in Strategic Coach with Dan is about, you know, identifying mindsets. So I'm just curious of, you know, as you think about it, 
have you come up with some key mindsets of, of your clients that, oh, yeah. that they share with you? 100%. Yeah, yeah. So I've got a mindset scorecard that I send out to every single person that I meet. I refuse point blank to meet people with a salary. I have no interest. If you have a salary, like don't talk to me, you got to talk to someone else. Um, I've got eight key mindsets that I've been working on for since the scorecard came out, which was about 18 months ago, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's my filter. And I send that out to every single person before a meeting, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So if you don't score over a certain percentage, of, of, you, you just you can't see me because I have no interest in seeing you whatsoever. So mindset is critical, right? absolutely critical. Um, it is like people say to me, oh, Jared, is there a minimum? I'm like, yes, there is a minimum. The minimum is the right mindset. That's the minimum, right? doesn't matter if you have $1 or $500 million. If you have $500 million and you don't have the right mindset, go away. Like go, go pay someone else because you're going to annoy me. I don't need your money. I don't want it. You're going to be annoying. So go away. So, yeah, Dan, Dan Sullivan is one of the greatest thinkers of our time. He's absolutely revolutionized my business with the Mindset Scorecard. Incredibly, incredibly powerful tool that has taken my business and not only 10x, but it's almost 10x every quarter since I joined, which is three years ago. Um, the growth has been so explosive that it's, it's hard to fathom. It really is. Um, I now only work three days a week because if I worked five, it would be even worse. There'd be more people running around. So less work, less time in the business, and almost quarterly 10x in the business. The point where, you know, we're, we're the number one insurance guys in the country now. So way too next I'm not sure but we'll, I'm sure we'll find a new mountain to climb shortly <laughs> well you, you alluded to one of those mindsets I'm curious what are what are uh, some of the other eight in terms of you know what do you what are those mindsets that your your clients need to have in order to be a good fit right so it's funny actually well I didn't send you my mindset call card so I probably technically I don't know if I should be speaking to you <laughs> that's, that's right. I haven't, I, haven't, I haven't gotten in Quadrant 4 yet. We don't know if you should. <laughs> I know. I, I think you're in Quadrant 4 for sure. You've got to be 10s and 11s across the board, I think. You sound like it. Um, so, it's, you know, there's, there's obviously the eight mindsets. There's, uh, you have to have a game-changer mindset. You have to have a reciprocation. Um, you have to have fast thinking. You've got to have trust. Um, there's a couple of but what I'll do is I'll send you my mindset scorecard you can take it check it out yeah um, and send it back to me because um, people love it people love taking the scorecard and then they call me and they say hey did, did I pass did I pass and I'm like yeah you passed so <laughs> it's like you're in <laughs> it's kind of cool it kind of flips uh, not that I sell but it flips the buyer and the seller pretty quickly um, to where they come and say oh, okay let's, let's, let's do this because now I'm in the club um, so there we go so yeah the scorecard has been Phenomenal. Um, and my entire team, every single person that's in my core team um, has a scorecard. They've also done their, their core beat, their strength finder, their unique ability, Julia Weller. Um, and they have their scorecard. And then this week we're doing team tools with uh, Shannon and Julia and Marilyn. Uh, and we're doing the unique ability decoder, where my unique ability has been decoded and then I disseminate to the team and they see how they can keep me and my unique ability at all times. So, yeah, it's been, uh, been phenomenal. Like, I, I can't believe how amazing Strat Coach has been. It's been incredible. Well, it, it's, it sounds like you're just getting warmed up even after all these, you know, 10x quarters, et cetera. And, you know, and I'm just picturing that, that interaction. So, 
so I, I already think I know the answer to this, but if, if you have a, a prospect and somebody says, Darren, you know, this person has a, you know, a couple hundred million dollars or whatever, and uh, they don't want to fill out the scorecard, I'm guessing they don't get to meet with you. Correct. Yeah, that's it. I don't care. Because it's immaterial. I just don't care. And you know what? That, that really pisses off really wealthy people because they, they don't do it, right? And no one says no to them. So I've had guys who are like three, four hundred million bucks. And like I send them the scorecard and then they write back, like they write two words. One starts with F and the other starts with O. All right? And I'm like, okay, well, I guess he doesn't want to fill out the scorecard. Um, to which point I said, no harm, no foul, big guy. Off you go. And then lo and behold, someone says something to them like three months later and they come back and say, oh, I'm, I'm, can, we, can we get that email again? And I'm like, sure, no problem. And I send them the email, they fill out the scorecard, and then they call me and say, did, did I pass? Did I pass? I'm like, yeah, you passed, you passed. Don't worry about it, you're okay. <laughs> so there we go. So it, it's amazing, you know, scarcity sells, saying no sells a lot. Um, you know, once again, not that I'm in the selling business, I'm just in the creating wealth business through essentially buying goods, um, large and powerful buying goods. So that's essentially how we create a ton of wealth. We just do that. But yeah, the scorecard has been the best filter, and it has saved me. My team can attest to this. About 15 hours of bullshit every single week. Literally, because you do appointments, like you know, it's just a waste of time. These guys aren't going to listen. They're skeptical, they're cynic, they don't care. They're like, oh, my God. And then they think they're gonna, you're going to steal their money. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, why am I sitting here? Right, so the scorecard ferrets those people out really quickly. And, Will, as you know, the most dangerous people in the world are column three. Mm-hmm. And column, oh, God, they commoditize you. They look at you as price, right? And all they think is, I'm smarter than the jackass across from me, so how can I gain this? That column three is gone, out of my life, completely. So the only people I meet in column two, the frustrated and the, the transformative. That's it. So my life and happiness has gone up exponentially again because I, I have no, all the haters, the column three haters, they, they all go and speak to RBC and CABC and all those other vendors. Because I have no time in my life for them because they're column three. Right? I'm sure in your business, you, you, you've been trying to filter out column three guys for years. Yeah, it's like you said. It's for them. It's that they have status, and you know they, that's that's what they care about, and they don't really want to. They don't really want to grow. They're complacent. It's good enough, and they would love to find a way to pay less for everything. Um, they want people to pay for their services, but they don't want to pay anybody else for for anything. So right, that's the <laughs> correct. If we can if we can shortcut correct. that. That's good. Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent, because in, in, instantaneously, when you ask a, a column three to fill out the scorecard, they say no. It just saved me an hour of my life, one hour more time with Darren, and being with Darren is lovely. So <laughs> it's just great, right? So now I can spend time with people who enjoy me. It's amazing, absolutely amazing. So yeah, if you haven't got, if you have, if you're not cranking your scorecard, you definitely should stop, because it literally you you'll never work on Fridays and Mondays again. Just choose a Wednesday, Thursday. So do cool stuff like podcasts on Monday. Because like, yeah, I'm walking around my house with my gym jams. Fantastic. Doing my <laughs> podcast. Awesome, right? And that's thanks to Strat Coach, Dan Sullivan, and the scorecard. Well, it sounds like you've made some, some changes pretty quickly. So, I mean, if you look back 
three years ago, or are you, sounds like you're saying really that you've you've eliminated maybe a day and a half of wasted time because back then, back then, how long did it take you to figure out somebody wasn't a good fit? Oh, hours because you'd waste the first hour. Then they'd say, yeah, send us the illustrations and send us the plan. Then you'd build the plan and you spend another two hours, so that's three hours. Then you'd follow up 50 times with them because in Canada, no one can say no. Everyone says maybe, <laughs> yes, I'll get back to you. Right? It's like the Japanese. Like, just can't say no. Like in the States, people say no quickly, which is awesome. In sales, the best thing is yes. Quick, and then the second best thing is a quick no. But here they have the genetic inability to say no. So they'll rope and dope you for 50 phone calls, 17 follow-up emails. And it's another two hours. So you're wasting five team hours. So my one hour plus four team hours with column three morons that will never change and love being poor. So it's, it's my whole team loves it because they don't waste time with idiots. Right? So it's absolutely brilliant. So I'd say, what is that, five? In my hours, at least, I was meeting 10 people a week. Five to 10 people a week. They were just completely never ever going to amount to anything. So that's is too many hours a month. It's two hundred hours a year. That's a lot. That, that's that's a lot of time to save, right? And not to mention the, the hate and aggravation that these people build up in you because you're presenting gold bars and they're saying, "Oh no, good gold bar compromise." But anyway, so I'm not going to wax on lyrical, but. Yeah, it saved the team four hours per person. It saved me one hour per person. So round trip, five hours per level, uh, what is it called? Three, category three. Yeah. Uh, yeah, category three, three. So there we go. So it saved me minimum a day, probably two days. Monday to Friday, pretty much two days a week. It saved me just by doing the scroll card. Are you finding that assuming if somebody has the right mindset, so let's say they've they passed the test and they're either two or four column people, are there now people that you would have others on your team primarily interact with so that you don't personally get involved, or is it are you more getting involved with with all these people because they're all really ultra high net worth folks? Um, it depends. I normally I'm normally the first point of contact. Um, sort of to see and assess and see what they need and et cetera, et cetera. So I'm sort of, the first hour is with me. And then I'll often get the rest of the team involved, especially if they need technical products like critical illness, disability, and a myriad of other products. So we have a highly, highly organized, well-motivated, and very, very efficient team that slice and dice all the, the files accordingly. So. I'm pretty much the guy that goes out to lunch, speaks the macro, looks after them, takes them on holiday, does all the good stuff for them, and then the team will execute the vision, right? So I'm very, very, very rarely in the week, like almost never, because my unique ability is only four things. One, face-to-face meetings. Two, calls, like this one, or sales calls. Three, connecting people, which means feeding and building my ecosystem up here. And four, going to events. So if it doesn't fall into those four activities, then I give it to my team, and they love it because they're in their unique ability when, when I am too. So, yeah, so there we go. Well, yeah, I'm curious about something. I know one of, one of Dan's things that he's observed is that, you know, when when, when unique processes are created, as, as you have, that 
other advisors want to have access to some of the ecosystems that you've created. So I'm curious, just as we get ready to wrap up, are there ways that other advisors in Canada or anywhere have the ability to collaborate with you or to gain access to all of this, uh, all these great things that you've built? Absolutely. No, for sure. Um, I'm very collaborative, even with people that traditionally would be perceived as my competitors. I don't think I have any competitors in the market whatsoever. So I'm very, very interested in collaborating with everyone and anyone that I see can add value. So yeah, so we have uh, money managers up here that do the physical part of managing money and all that kind of good stuff. And it's a very, very important um, task. Um, so yeah, we collaborate with, you know, insurance guys, asset managers, bad that run, you know, portfolios, books, portfolio managers. Absolutely. We do that north and south of the border. So always open to that conversation for sure. What would that look like if somebody, let's say somebody listening has a, what, what would be an ideal situation where maybe it's a certain kind of prospect or maybe it's a way that they could, you know, as you mentioned, a money manager to gain access to, to these things? I mean, what, what should we all be thinking about to look for to say, you know what, this is a great one for Darren and, and 33.7? Well, if you're looking for the right mindset, I'd say it comes down to that. So whether you're a money manager, an investment advisor, whatever the case may be, if you have the right mindset, I'm always happy to have a conversation. Um, and any client that wants to be a game changer, anyone that is either frustrated or wants to be transformative, always willing to have a conversation. I love jumping on calls. Uh, I spend a lot of time on the phone just chatting to people, getting to know them. Um, so that's, that's what you're looking for is, is that person who you know might have a $1 today, but he wants to conquer the world. That's the guy I want to talk to. Well, for everybody listening that wants to learn more, or, or perhaps, uh, you know, a good step might be to get access to your scorecards, because I'm going to fill it out, and I'm sure others will too. So what would be the way to get access to more information about your company and uh, uh, fill out the scorecard? Yep. Uh, easiest thing is to go to the website, which is www.337.ca, uh, so 33-S-E-V-E-N.ca. Uh, there's a form on the contact us sheet. Just fill out that form, put your email address in there, um, and we will then email you the scorecard. Once you fill out the scorecard, we'll get the results, and then we'll email you back, and we'll tell you if you're in the ecosystem. And if you're not in the ecosystem, we'll tell you to join Strategic Coach so that you can become eligible for the ecosystem. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like a good process, and I know I'm looking forward to to filling it out. Darren, I appreciate you sharing all your wisdom with us today. I know it's going to be helpful to get people to think differently and get an understanding of how to attract people with the right mindset and build something that, that's unique. And as we wrap up, any, any final words of wisdom you want to share with us? Um, well, well, thank you for the opportunity. I love doing these uh, podcasts. They're fantastic. Um, two, two takeaways. One, um, join Strat Coach if you're not already in it. And if you're in Signature get up to 10x because 10x is absolutely brilliant that's the first thing second thing is if you're uh, looking to hiring an IA make sure that uh, he has some skin in the game right because that's going to help a lot that's the second piece and thirdly you know as a very famous person said half of life is just showing up so don't cancel on people show up and see what happens That is a great way to wrap up. And as always, if anybody has any questions, don't hesitate to call us at 
574-6659.